Thank you so much for joining me today on Just Praise Him Radio. I'm your host, Linda Lomax, and my job is to inspire you to a closer walk with Christ. Now here's the show. Hello, believers. Welcome to the Just Praise Him radio show. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and the title of my message today is Refining the Bride, God is Removing Idols. I got the idea for this podcast from the word the Lord gave me for November 29th. It's called The Spotless Bride. I'm going to read it to you for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. I am doing a work in my bride in the earth. I am refining her into a spotless bride before I bring her home to me. My children, this time of refining will not be easy for you. Many of you will grieve as your idols are stripped away from you. You were unaware anything or anyone had your worship besides me, but they do. Some of you have worshipped your jobs and careers. Some have worshipped your wealth and prestige. Some have worshipped your families or family members, your sons and daughters, your grandchildren parents or grandparents. Some have worshipped your communities, a lifestyle or way of living. All these are taking your worship from me and I will have a spotless bride at my return. It is imperative that I do this work at this time. Repent to me as you see your idols taken. Return to me in the passion of your first love and all will be well. Your time to be called home is upon you. What? No way you could be in idolatry? Let's be sure. You may be right or you may be wrong. Idols are sneaky things, moving in quietly and taking just a little of your time and attention so your guard don't go up, and then bam, suddenly they're hogging it all up. So let's look at some of the things that commonly become idols so you can evaluate. And I encourage you to evaluate these things honestly. Because it is you who will pay if you do not root idolatry out of your life. So just what is idolatry? Well, I'm glad you ask. Dictionary.com defines idolatry as the religious worship of idols or excessive or blind adoration, reverence, or devotion. And that's to a person, place, or thing, whatever. So I want you to think for a minute. What would be a dream come true for you? Because this is often where we can find the idols. The perfect spouse. The perfect house. Children of your own. Lots of time with your grown children. Grandchildren, maybe. Success in your chosen career. A large ministry. Great wealth and prestige. Hours and hours each day with your favorite person. Stunning beauty or handsomeness. A body others would envy. Idolatry can be an almost obsessive love for another person. Not just a romantic partner, but a grandchild. A beloved child or a revered family member. Let me stop here for just a second and say this. We know we are not very far from the mark of the beast being introduced. And everyone being forced to take it or give up their lives or go into confinement or whatever. If there is someone in your life that you love so much, you could not bear to not be able to buy food to feed them, 
that you would think about taking the mark, that's a serious indicator you may be in idolatry. So pay close attention to that, okay? I'm trying to help you here. So idolatry can be an almost obsessive love for another person, not just a romantic partner, although that's an easy way to get into it, but for a grandchild, a beloved child, or a revered family member like a grandmother or grandfather. Or it can be too much focus in one area on that one thing or to the exclusion of what we are really supposed to be focusing on, our Savior Jesus. So what does idolatry look like? We all know at least one person who is always extolling the virtues of their spouse or their child or their favorite grandchild, yada yada. Anytime someone talks on and on and on about a certain someone, you are likely looking at idol worship. And a lot, most of the times, a lot of the time, most of the time, they don't know that they're doing that. I've done it before, not known. Dictionary.com defines idol as, among other things, any person or thing regarded with a blind admiration, adoration, or devotion. But it also says, a figment of the mind, fantasy. Here is something I want you to understand about idolatry. This is particularly true about romantic relationships, and I've done this so many times over my life when I still uh, engaged in romantic relationships. Idolatry often happens when we imagine a person as better than they are. When we have a fantasy about a certain kind of spouse or having a gifted child or grandchild, for example. So we imagine that they have the qualities we really want them to have. When in truth, they may be really good, but we see them as practically superhuman, okay? This is a huge danger in idolatry. Because when we have romanticized someone, we can end up married to or enslaved to our idols. And if anything will turn your idols back into ordinary humans. It is marriage. Can I just say that? And all the married people said, Amen. And let's keep in mind that what you are focused on is a very good indicator of where you are looking for happiness and fulfillment. Wherever you spend most of your time, energy, and money is a good indicator of what you are focused on. That is the area where you are most likely to find idols hidden lurking in your heart, okay? As humans, we were created to worship, so we have a need to worship something. If we do not have a correct relationship with God, we will simply find someone or something else to worship. It is possible to make an idol out of just about anyone or anything. Many people idolize success, beauty, fame, or wealth. In our society today, in the age of the selfie, Many around us idolize their own faces. They're just obsessed with looking at their own face, so they're constantly taking pictures of their own face. Many idolize that perfect relationship, the perfect spouse, or that perfect house. In our minds, we are building castles full of fantasies long before we ever said hello to them. Anything that gets more of our affection and reverence than God does is out of balance in our lives. We are commanded to have no other gods before him. Relationships, 
Children, grandchildren, a fulfilling career, or a nice house are not bad in and of themselves, but all of that should be secondary to our relationship with the living God. For Israel, there were Canaanite Baals, those jolly nature gods whose worship was a rampage of gluttony, drunkenness, and ritual prostitution. For us, there are still great God's sex, shekels, and stomach, that's an unholy trinity constituting one God, the self, and the other enslaving trio, pleasure, possessions, and position, whose worship is described as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life in 1 John 2.16. Football, the firm, and family are also gods for some. Hi, guys. Indeed, the list of other gods is endless, for anything that anyone allows to run his life also becomes a god. That's from Your Father Loves You by James Packard. Adrian Rogers once said, An idol is anything you love more, fear more, value more, or serve more than you do Almighty God. And that leads me to our next point. Any person, activity, or thing you are willing to compromise your beliefs for is an idol in your heart. Period. There are no exceptions to that statement. Now get this, because this is so important. This is the number one way that you can recognize an idol in your heart or in your life. Any person, activity, or thing you are willing to compromise your beliefs in God for is an idol in your heart. Okay? Anything that tempts you to break the commandments of God is an idol in your heart. So if it causes you to serve it instead of Him, like by bowing down to it, by putting another God before him, if it causes you or convinces you to lie, steal, cheat on your taxes, cheat on your spouse, or lust after it, it is an idol, plain and simple. And by the way, lust doesn't just mean sexual lust. It means to want something too much. If it takes up a large majority of your time, your thoughts, or your money, No matter how good a thing or person is, it is, it is an idol. If it takes up all your time or thoughts, which should be focused on the Lord, it is an idol. I've seen this in cases with grandparents who get obsessed with a grandchild or parents who get obsessed with a child. If you are putting all of your energy and effort into doing for them or it, it is an idol. Years ago, A man in one company's Pueblo location told about a time when one of the executives in his company made the statement, this company is our life. He said he could not help but speak up. He said, I'm loyal to the company, but it is not my life. God is first in my life and after him would be my family. The company comes after that. No company, no job, no ministry, no person, no relationship, no child, young or adult, no matter how wonderful, can be our life because our life is bound up in Jesus. And if we want to enter heaven, we better keep it that way. Can I just say that? This is why Deuteronomy eleven sixteen says, Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Something else you will find when someone has an idol is that they will recruit others to serve them and worship them as well. We are so sure when we read verses about idolatry that we are not involved, that we don't give it a second thought, do we? Oh, but we are. 
Any person, place, thing, or activity we don't think we could live without has the makings of an idol in our hearts. And we all have something or somebody on that list. Most of us have several. For example, Colossians 3.5 says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So while you're sitting there thinking this podcast is for everybody else but not you, let's remember that all sin is idolatry because it is choosing something or someone over the Lord. The Lord said, do not sin. Somebody you know said, hey, let's do this sin, and you did it. Guess what? That alone makes you an idolater, and we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us are without sin. Even though we try our best not to sin a single sin, it's the nature of our flesh. Even Paul said in Romans 7.15, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. None of us are without sin. We are all idolaters because we all sometimes choose someone or something over God. So yes, this podcast is for you too. Okay, however special, however anointed, however perfect you think you are, it's for you too. Strange for us to think of idolatry as being something in the modern world, but consider this. There are people who worship crawling creatures. In a museum in Egypt, there is a monument to the scarab beetle. The Philistines actually worshipped flies. Hindus today won't swat a fly because it might be an ancestor of theirs paying for their wrongs. Today, you will find that there are 330 million gods of the Hindus. That's eight gods for every person. In Thailand, there are 20,000 Buddhist temples. In one, there is a two-inch tooth supposedly saved from Buddha's funeral. In China, a Buddhist statue actually fell on a man and the family sued all the Buddhas in the temple and it was found guilty and it and 14 other statues were beheaded. I thought that was pretty funny. The Roman Catholic Church has relics. Mary's hair, Mary's wedding ring, Mary's holy girdle, the Last Supper basin, the burial cloth of Jesus, the lance which stuck in his side, footprints of Jesus, and from John the Baptist, three shoulder blades, four legs, five arms, and 50 index fingers that supposedly pointed and said, Thou art the Lamb of God. Deuteronomy thirty seventeen. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shall be drawn away, and worship other gods, and serve them, verse 18, I denounce unto you this day, that you shall surely perish, and that you shall not prolong your days upon the land, whether thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. So what causes idolatry? Idolatry is what happens in our hearts when we take our eyes off our Savior Jesus, who suffered and died for us, and we begin to look at, adore, or believe in another source, person, place, or thing to comfort us, take away our pain, make us happy, fulfill us, or provide for us. Did you know you can idolize food? You know how we turn to food sometimes for comfort? Yeah, then it's an idol. We're supposed to turn to him. I have said often that our actions reveal to us every day where our faith lies and what we worship. Because here's the thing. Whatever we give the most of our time, energy, attention, love, or money to gains power over us. 
whether that is God or some other person or thing, whether it is a relationship, a fantasy, an addiction, a fleshly pleasure, or something as simple as our child, our children, our grandchildren, or our favorite video game or sports team. Do you ignore the offering plate at church but pull out your wallet quickly to buy a favorite team's jersey or flag? Do you ignore the offering plate at church but whip out your wallet the second your favorite person has a want or a need? Let's look at a verse in Isaiah and talk about what it really means. Isaiah 2.18 And the idols he shall utterly abolish. Utterly comes from the Hebrew word kalil, and it means to destroy entirely like fire. So basically it means like burn it down. Abolish comes from the Hebrew word halaf, to cause to pass on or away quickly. So clearly from these verses, the Lord will make quick work of any idols that we have. Those are not things we would want to happen to anyone we love that we are in idolatry about. So we need to be careful to remember that our God is a jealous God. That is one of his names, jealous. He is jealous over your time, your attention, your focus, and especially over your love and your worship. So let's talk about what idolatry causes in our lives. Idolatry separates you from God. Idolatry is a very serious sin, as it is giving God's worship away to another God. Second Chronicles twenty four eighteen, And they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers, and served groves and idols, and wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this their trespass. Verse 19, Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them again unto the Lord, and they testified against them, but they would not give ear. They wouldn't listen. Verse 20, And the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada the priest, which stood above the people and said unto them, Thus saith God, Why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord that ye cannot prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord, he hath also forsaken you. The Lord says this is a word for somebody. You've been asking the Lord why he is not prospering you, why every door is shut in your face, and he is saying that is why, because you idolize your daughter. He says, as long as you are giving the worship due me to her, I will not prosper you. In fact, as it continues, you will fall into great need. Repent and return to me, your first love. Ezekiel 14, verse 5, that I may take the house of Israel in their own heart because They are all estranged from me through their idols. Verse 6, Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Repent and turn yourselves from your idols, and turn away your faces from all your abominations. Idolatry will ensnare you. Psalm 106, 36, And they served their idols, which were a snare unto them. Snare here comes from the Hebrew word mokesh which means a noose or a hook for the nose, a trap. It is the same word translated snare in Amos 3.5, which talks about a bird being snared. Idolatry is just one more trap the enemy will try to set for you. He tried to trap Jesus with the same thing when Jesus was weak from fasting in the wilderness. In Matthew 4, verses 8 through 10, verse 8, Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, 
And he saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Any time the Lord leads you into a fast or tells you to fast, and you break that fast before he says, You are in idolatry. Did you know that? You are putting food before what the Lord wants you to do. Fasting is one of the most difficult spiritual disciplines, if not the most difficult. That's why so few Christians attempt it. We like our food, and food is a comfort to us. We don't want to give it up. Okay, moving right along. Nobody wants to talk about fasting, do they? Idolatry will involve you to the point you are willing to sacrifice family or family members. We think today we would never do that in America. The nation of idolaters, because that's what we are. But if that were actually true, abortion would not be legal here. If that were really true, tens of thousands of little children would not be separated from their parents right now in this nation due to drug addiction and other substance abuse problems. Actions always speak so much louder than words, don't they? Psalm 106.34, they did not destroy the nations concerning whom the Lord commanded them. Verse 35, but were mingled among the heathen and learned their works. You know, we are to be set apart. We are to act differently than the world. And if we are not, it's because we are still in love with the world and its pleasures. Psalm 106.36, And they served their idols, which were a snare unto them. 37, Yea, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto devils. 38, And shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and of their daughters, whom they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. 39, Thus were they defiled with their own works and went a-whoring after their own inventions. 40. Therefore was the wrath of the Lord kindled against his people, insomuch that he abhorred his own inheritance. And by the way, that word abhor in verse 40 is the Hebrew word ta'ab, and it means to utterly detest. That is serious, and it is not an emotion you want to arouse in the all-powerful, omniscient God we serve because he is able to crush your idols like a bug anytime he decides to. Can I just say that? Speaking of crushing idols, I love to relate the story from 1 Samuel 5 of Dagon when speaking of idols and how God looks at them. 1 Samuel 5, this is going to be verse 1 through 12. After the Philistines had captured the Ark of God, they took it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Then they carried the Ark into Dagon's temple and set it beside Dagon. When the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. They took Dagon and put him back in his place. But the following morning when they rose, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. Every knee shall bow, y'all. They, <laughs> His head and hands had been broken off and were lying on the threshold. Only his body remained. That is why to this day neither the priests of Dagon nor any others who enter Dagon's temple at Ashdod step on the threshold. The Lord's hand was heavy upon the people of Ashdod and its vicinity. He brought devastation upon them and afflicted them with tumors. When the men of Ashdod saw what was happening, they said, The ark of the God of Israel must not stay here with us because his hand is heavy upon us and upon Dagon our God. 
So they called together all the rulers of the Philistines and asked them, What shall we do with the ark of the God of Israel? And they answered, Have the ark of the God of Israel moved to Gath. So they moved the ark of the God of Israel. But after they had moved it, the Lord's hand was against that city, throwing it into a great panic. He afflicted the people of the city, both young and old, with an outbreak of tumors. Wish that we had the fear of God in our country like that. So they sent the ark of God to Ekron. As the ark of God was entering Ekron, the people of Ekron cried out, They have brought the ark of the God of Israel around to us to kill us and our people. They're going to kill us. They brought the ark. So they called together all the rulers of the Philistines and said, Send the ark of the God of Israel away. Let it go back to its own place or it will kill us and our people. For death had filled the city with panic. God's hand was very heavy upon it. Those who did not die were afflicted with tumors and the outcry of the city went up to heaven. You know, you would think that that would have taught them to serve God, wouldn't you? Our God. So the Lord smacked Dagon upside the head and made his knee to bow too. Every day they left him in the temple. He will have no other gods beside him, period. And he will smack down every idol in the end, make no mistake. I laugh every time I think of that story. Here's another good story about the crushing of idols. Hideyoshi, I hope I'm saying that right, a Japanese warlord who ruled over Japan in the late 1500s, commissioned a colossal statue of Buddha for a shrine in Kyoto. It took 50,000 men five years to build, but the work had scarcely been completed when the earthquake of 1596 brought the roof of the shrine crashing down and wrecked the statue. In a rage, Hideyoshi shot an arrow at the fallen colossus. I put you here at great expense, he shouted. You can't even look after your own temple. <laughs> oh, that was so cute. That's from Today in the Word from August 1991. Okay, your idolatry can cause your children to also become idolaters. Second Kings 21.21 And he walked in all the way that his father walked in and served the idols that his father served and worshipped them. This is referring to King Manasseh, who is most remembered for his idolatrous practices during his short two-year reign, which led to a revolt against him and eventually to his assassination in 641 B.C., which is described in Second Chronicles 33.24, and his servants conspired against him and slew him in his own house. I would not want to be remembered for being so idolatrous. That's horrible. Idolatry will cause you to be confounded and bring you to shame. Nobody wants any of that, do we? Confounded in Psalm 97.7 comes from the Hebrew root word bush, a primitive root meaning to be ashamed, disappointed, or delayed. To bring to shame, cause shame, put to shame, be confounded. To confuse. So if you are delayed and don't know why, if you are confused and don't know why, look for idols hiding in your life. They might be there. Psalm 97, 7. Confounded be all they that serve graven images that boast themselves of idols. Worship him, all you gods. That boast themselves of idols makes me think of people bragging on their children or bragging on their grandchildren, and I have done it too. And I repented. Dictionary.com further defines confound as to throw into confusion or disorder, to treat or regard erroneously or mix by mistake, 
and the archaic meaning of the same word is to bring to ruin. See also Isaiah 45:16, which says, They shall be ashamed and also confounded, all of them. They shall go to confusion together that are makers of idols. Colossians 3, 5 Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil, com- I can't say that word, and covetousness, which is idolatry. 1 Corinthians 10.14 Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Run, y'all, don't walk. There are two very prominent attributes of idolatry that help us to recognize when it is present in our lives and the lives of others. One, confusion. There is a verse in the Bible that says, Their idols are all wind and confusion. And this makes me think of that. I didn't look it up. Every time someone is in idolatry, you will see confusion there. An example would be a young woman who has adored her fiancé for months and months or even years and then becomes confused about whether she really wants to marry him. Blindness. Anytime we go into idolatry and stay there for any length of time, God closes our eyes to it. This is because we are preferring another God over him. And we cannot open our eyes again ourselves, and nobody can pray that off of us. Only he can reopen what he has closed. And he does that when we honestly repent and turn from the sins of idolatry. You are looking at idolatry anytime you see somebody get with a partner who is completely wrong for them, and everybody can see it but them. They have not known nor understood, for he hath shut their eyes, and they cannot see and their hearts that they cannot understand. This is Isaiah 44, 18. I'll never forget getting the revelation on this. Shocking. That word shut in 44, 18 is the Hebrew word tuak, and it literally means to plaster. So the Lord plasters shut the eyes of all those who worship other gods until they repent. And he has shut their hearts from understanding. That means they will die in their sin if they do not repent, y'all. It don't get more serious than that. I'm just saying. Some more verses that talk about the Lord's response to idolatry would be Isaiah 2.17 through 20. And the loftiness of men shall be bowed down, and the haughtiness of men shall be made low, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. And the idols he shall utterly abolish. And they shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake terribly the earth. In that day a man shall cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which they made each one for himself to worship, to the moles and to the bats. I want to pray for y'all as we close. Precious, merciful Lord in heaven, I lift every person under the sound of my voice right now, including me, Lord, including me. Lord, we don't want to go through life blind and confused. We don't want to be idolaters. We want to be worshipers. And I ask right now, Lord, that you would reveal every idol hiding in our lives and help us to put them in their proper place of priority. If the idols are people we love, help us to see them properly and remember you gave them to us to love not to worship. Help us to love you far more, Lord. We need your help to see these idols. 
lead us and guide us on how to keep you first so we are not in idolatry. We want you always occupying the throne of our hearts and our minds. We worship you, Jesus. Thank you for your great sacrifice for us. May we never forget it. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Jesus bless you. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. You can contact me by mail at my new address, JPH Inc., Glenda Lomax, P.O. Box 60, Glencoe, Arkansas, 72539 or by email at jphtoday at gmail.com. JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization, church, or denomination. Have you heard? The 2016 and 2017 messages have been published in book form. Even those who do not profess a belief in God can see something is amiss in the world around us. What is coming for our world in these last days? What does the Lord want us doing while we're waiting for His glorious reappearance? Time of Reckoning and Soon It Will Be Night each contain approximately 200 prophetic messages and visions from the throne room of God telling what is coming to America and the world in these end times. The Lord has always warned nations when they were headed for destruction. He has always warned His own people. Are we also being warned? Get your copy of Time of Reckoning and Soon It Will Be Night, available now on Amazon.com. Does your life feel like it's falling apart around you? Are multiple things going wrong all at once? Does it seem all your comforts have been stripped away? You may have entered the wilderness. Wilderness experiences are oftentimes of great discomfort and lack. Every Christian must pass through the desert on the way to their promised land. Find out how to go from surviving to thriving by partnering with God as He leads you in the path that will strengthen your faith and prepare you to step into your destiny. The Wilderness Companion will help you find out why you have been led into the wilderness. Find out the biggest hindrances to receiving the provision you need in the wilderness. Find out what the seven temptations of the wilderness are. Learn how to partner with God in His purposes for you in the desert seasons. Get your copy of The Wilderness Companion today. The Wilderness Companion by Glinda Lomax on Amazon.com in print, Kindle, or audiobook. What is in store for the once great and mighty nation of America in these end times? What is the living God saying to the people of America now? What could possibly be in store for a nation that once trusted in God, but has changed its path from following the living God's ways to now removing Him from everything and walking the other way? In the book, No Longer Mind, you will find all the messages to America collected in one place in chronological order. 
No Longer Mine, Messages to an Unrepentant Nation, is now available in print at wingsofprophecy.com in the bookstore tab. Get your copy of No Longer Mine today.